Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Yet another fantastic episode of HR Talk. It's our pleasure to be back here. I'm JC up on the uh, northern border of the United States. Heading all the way down to not-so-sunny central Florida in the heart of uh, what is currently considered Hurricane Alley. What? The man, the myth, the legend just getting off of a, uh, another fantastic vacation. Ricky Bias. <laughs> I wish it was a vacation. <laughs> What's up there, bro? So you had a work trip or something. What what'd you do? What'd you do? Yeah, so um a few months ago, actually early this year, I was uh talking with one potential client in Puerto Rico and um he wanted me to go to the island and uh talk to his company, do a team building event. It, it was a leadership conference and I was gonna go talk for a leadership conference for an engineering firm in Puerto Rico. And I figured, let's make a week out of it, take the whole family down, and they'll stay in the hotel or Airbnb, wherever we stay at, while I do talking stuff. So, yeah, man. How'd yeah, that go? It, it was, How'd it go? How, how's the client? Was he pleased? I was scared, Or she, bro. they, them. She. She. No, it's okay. Whatever yeah, it's, pronoun. It's, it's, I'm just kidding. It's a he. Uh, look, here's the thing. I was scared, and I'm never scared whenever I go in front of people. The reason I was scared is because... They wanted to do it half in English and half in Spanish. And I'm like, ah, I'm not good and doing my thing in Spanish. So um, I just you, did a lot you of are bilingual, though. You are well versed in 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 the art, right? I am bilingual, but it's a big difference in in just having casual conversation like 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 you and I have on a uh, regular basis in Spanish, which is two or three people versus doing a team building event in front of 300 people at a hotel conference room. It's that's a little bit more scary for me, but it turned out well, there was some words that I, that I messed up. They started laughing. Can't go wrong with that. You know, when I think back over the years, uh, shortly after I first met you and then you came out and, and I, I, I personally want to commend you for, for, coming forward and, and admitting to the world early on that you were bilingual. It was it was a very strong, proud moment. Uh, I still fully support you. And I love the fact that you pass it on to your family, though, too. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's like you have uh, <laughs> the standard cultural norms that uh, you might become accustomed to here in the United States and, and some of the English traditions, but uh, walk into the right home and they accept you fully for being bilingual, and they uh, transition with you into a, a new language at that same yeah. time. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't, re- I don't remember me making a big deal of me speaking two languages like you're making it right now. So it was never a big reveal like you're making it seem to be. Yeah, it was All amazing. All you said is, oh, dude, you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, cool. Let's have some more pierogies. Boom. And then in that, that, in that the moment, in that moment, in that moment yeah, no, you were like, moment. I am bilingual. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, wow. That's so brave. <laughs> so brave. <laughs> thanks bro yeah uh, no dude you know my my first language is spanish but i didn't grow up in my career speaking spanish it was always in english so that's always been a thing for me but yeah i, I can i can defend myself i can defend myself in spanish pretty good well today of days is uh independence day in the united states and we do have a lesson from uh the gen z crowd on this I'm John Manhammies, it's your boy Brock. This week we celebrate Independence Day, a.k.a. the 4th of July, a.k.a. Indie Getty. Because we get that independence, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, shout out to all my wig-wearing dudes. And today I'm giving you a history lesson on this wonderful holiday. Let's get it. 
The reason we go cray on this day is super simple. My bros Brady dipped and drifted over on a big water bug. They landed and said, this land is dope, we'll take it. But time flew and the British still wouldn't drop the ox. So my boys who were big stands for the little thing called freedom, aka doozies what I choose you, said, we done it. They 86 the hot tea, they're tired of paying for the crumpets. Give me the sweet tea and DiGiorno, they said. Drop the fish and chips and give me that GMO. So they got this paper called the Declaration of Independence, aka the do it. Which between you, me, and Nicolas Cage <laughs> has a pretty sick map on the back of it. <laughs> Hashtag Natty T. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Everyone gave their autographs and it was Dunzo. From that day forward, we were solo. And that's on being the best nation on this little planet we call planet. So happy birthday, Mr. Big Red Dub Blue. You forgot about fireworks. Dude, you're not legally allowed to carry fireworks. What are you talking about? People shoot off fireworks every year. Also, when did you get that megaphone? I always carry a megaphone. Hey, wait, what the? Yeah, other people are allowed to shoot fireworks, but you're not supposed to shoot fireworks ever since the Aldi's accident. United States of America. Am I supposed to be standing right now? No, no, I can't. Did he say you? <laughs> Everybody can have fireworks, but you're not supposed to have fireworks ever since the la- the Old Testament. Is that what he said? Uh, ever since the Aldi's incident. <laughs> oh, I thought he said the Old Testament. <laughs> I'm like, okay. The Aldi's incident. Yeah. I want to know what happened there. Yeah, me too, man. But maybe, so- maybe it was a battle over the uh, the quarters. You know, the quarters that you're putting in the uh, the shopping cart right there, right? And then he, like, launched off some fireworks or something. A Gen Z perception, though, of Independence Day. Rather something unique. Found that on the YouTubings. Um, feel free to Google Gen Z Independence Day, and you're going to find this guy. Pretty wild guy. There's a whole video piece that goes on the back end of it where he's dressed up in uh, all red, white, and blue, and he's got holsters on, and he's pulling out fireworks, and he's shooting them at someone dressed in a Care Bear outfit, and then they're battling back and forth with fireworks. <laughs> yeah. a, ah, dude, I honestly feel like, I, I feel like a senior citizen when I was growing up. When I would look up at people, I'm like, ah, oh, those old people don't <laughs> understand. Now I'm those old people who I don't understand what this Gen Z explanation of Independence Day is all about. So I, yeah, I'm there. We're there. You're not too far behind. Let's let you see life from another perspective. They can expand the mind and awareness. These are inspirational quotes. With Ricky Bias. Inspirational quotes with Ricky Bias. Attention hiring authorities. When you're interviewing in 2021... Take a good look at that resume. Take a good look at whatever gaps or lack of gaps are in there. Because what you want on your team from 2021 on forward is hunger and willingness to learn, not entitlement. Hunger hunger, 
and willingness to learn, not entitlement. You know, it's kind of funny you bring that up. There was a piece back in February. I really didn't want to get into it in the show, but it does kind of thread and segue. I don't know if you want to get there, but uh, Sherm, fantastic writers over at Sherm, by the way. I'm a huge fan of all their blogs and, and articles. Sherm's amazing. I know you can't stand them. You know, you hate them. You're 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 at war with them on a constant basis. It's like two Siths that don't get along. You know, it's all these incident. Yeah, no, That's they right. put out a article about uh, hiring and promoting and um, uh, dealing with narcissists in the workplace, and uh, hmm. some high level overview things of of points of consideration and things to consider. And it's it's interesting too. We're going to get to it in our current events segment coming up. In a little bit, the uh, skills-based hiring authority trend, the skills-based analysis trend, uh, mm-hmm. moving away from, you know, solely hiring based off of narcissistic traits is kind of a nice trend. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if you take your advisement, combine it with the skills-based analysis trend, and uh, mush it all together, what are you, what are you going to get? I mean, you could have Callahan Auto Parts doing amazing things in the future, you know? Well, I mean, it's I bring that up for a reason, and uh, I, I I didn't know that recruiters were had a system to hire just based on of, of narcissism. I didn't know that. So is that a thing? So let's see how many people. So I'm interviewing for, and what you're saying is currently right now, I'm looking for the person who talks about themselves the most. You know what? You're right, because <laughs> that's what an interview is 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 how to toot my own horn, selling myself. So I yeah, I guess it is it is based on narcissism, but I guess it's a balance, right? You've got to, if you don't toot your own horn, how is everybody else going to know the skill set that you I don't, have? I don't think it's just tooting your own horn. I mean, in, so this is, um, this piece was written by Brian O'Connell. The date on this is February 23rd, but it plays part directly into our skills-based discussion coming up in a little bit here. But in the article from uh, the Sherm, right, they outline as advisement from Lori Cure, a CEO of Denver-based consulting firm Innovative Connections, an author of Leading Without Fear from Tape Publishing. Uh, she put together a comprehensive list of red flags, things and, and signs of narcissistic workplace behavior. So just okay. to hit the list for you, because it's a very long article. It's a great piece. Highly recommend reading it. Uh, what are the bullet points here? Unwillingness to be challenged or questioned requiring excessive levels of loyalty, praise, hmm. or adoration. We know that one, right? <laughs> I was just, I, I'm, I'm smiling. Yeah, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. yeah, yeah. No, like, I mean, we, we could break these down as we go. I mean, the uh-huh. second one right there, you know, was that good enough for you? That was great, wasn't it? I'm the best <laughs> at this, aren't I? You know I am. Go ahead, tell me. Tell me. Uh-huh. Yeah, we know those people. Struggling yeah, to do. accept and incorporate feedback. That authoritarian, like, clapback hammer from their perspective, you know? Yeah. Struggling to accept and incorporate feedback. Not considering other people's opinions or not engaging them in conversations about problem solving or changes. So if you're solely basing it off of how narcissistic could you be? Great. I love you. Come on in. And then they're not a team player. They're out for themselves. They destroy the culture. And you just put all your stock into their satchel. Go ahead. Carry my satchel now. Great. They're going to drop it in a heartbeat and only focus on theirs. Not considering other people's opinions or not engaging them in conversations about problem solving or changes. Hmm. That's big. 
They're, they're facing it alone. Only they can be the ones to do it. You might have the best solution in the world, but you're not going to do it without me and come back because I have all the knowledge and the answers. <laughs> Keeps an organization nimble, doesn't it? Caring, it does. caring very little. No, it doesn't. It's horrifying. <laughs> caring very little for the needs of others in the organization or on a team. Hey, Ricky, um, I am going to have to file for FMLA. I just found out I have cancer. That's cool. I got a Bugatti. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Often making oh, decisions God. unilaterally and without involving other stakeholders. Okay. I got to stop you right here. I got to stop you. Yeah, so, you know, you're not stopping me. You're stopping the article. Reframe. Reframe. The article is still going to be there. Okay, fine. Look, um, so what is so is is the author saying? I mean, because you don't see these traits in an interview, right? Because if you saw these red flags in an interview, you won't hire them. So, so that's think- that's part of your extrapolation during our discussion today. They're outlining what some of the narcissistic traits are and things to look out for in the workplace. So then, through the interview process, if someone is prone to things like this, how do you look for it? What do you look for? That's that's the challenge that's on the table. Okay, so these are the points that uh, who was that? Lori Cure of that Denver-based consulting firm, Innovative Connections, is is recommending to keep a, a spotlight on. Look for these things. But you, as the recruiter, as that hiring authority, as that person that's that's bringing them in, you're, you you got to figure out a way. Let it be through skills-based assessment or something else to to tackle these things. Right. I don't know if skills-based assessment is the way to go, but rather asking behavioral ba- behavioral questions, interview questions that would give you the the um, I guess the outlook you're looking for based on their answer. So if, if you if you've asked if you ask them to give you an example of a time where they did A, B, and C, then I kind of let you know what kind of a team player they are, or how they take feedback, or how they take criticism. Yeah, people can lie, but you have to be a really good liar to kind of pass the smell test for the recruiter, but the recruiter has to ask that question. So, so you're, don't ask- you're not for yeah. the skills-based assessment. Honestly, honestly, I'm more I'm more on personality. This is going to get interesting when we hit current events, which might be coming up after this. Okay. I mean, yeah. at this rate, it might be a great segue. Um, she goes on to say, uh, exhibiting signs of narcissistic behaviors, such as a grandiose sense of self-importance, fantasized talent, or expertise, or arrogance. And the interesting part about that is one person's perception of arrogance could very commonly be uh, misconstrued when it's actually confidence that's coming to the table due to that interviewer's perception and and their own emotions, you know? That's a fine balance. You you really got to put your trust in the person that's sitting in that chair to do the right thing. Focusing on self-image and ensuring that others perform in a way that elevates their own public image or reputation. Yeah. Demanding and seeking high degrees of personal and positional power to ensure control. Spending a great deal of time and effort ensuring the ability to be with power players and high-status individuals in the organization. I'm sorry, JC. Is she saying to watch out for these at work, or is she saying to watch out for these in the interview process? No, again... This is things to watch for at work. I'm bringing them to the table so that you, the HR pro, could extrapolate these to the interview process and the hiring procedure, and we could transition that discussion 
from between the current trend of skills-based assessment to behavioral. If, if it's too much, tell me. We could stop. No, 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 no. It's not too it much. seems to be it's confusing that- for you. No, it's not confusing me at all. I'm just annoyed. I'm just annoyed because I've seen people like that out there, and those kinds of people do exist. And I've 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 seen situations where leaders just let that slide because they may be really good in one area of the business right. because they may be in charge of a specific you know um um uh you're, income. You're great at that you're, widget. You're great at that uh, income stream. Or, yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna ignore all these other things, right? So, um, it, it's every organization has those. So let's just can we jump real quick to the uh, to the behavioral based entity because this is important. I've got three re- things left on the list for you. Go ahead, you know what? Go ahead, kill it. Using kill fear, it. guilt, shame, punishment, and manipulation to gain compliance and control, exhibiting Jeez. extremely competitive behavior, and taking personal credit for the work of individuals or the team. Maybe wow. not necessarily their own, and we we all seen that to different degrees you know that that last one may uh exactly exude in, itself and bring itself forward through the uh interview process depending on whether or not you have a internal candidate that uh, might be over glorifying things you know well, wouldn't that make that easier for the uh, for the hiring authority to know like if the internal candidate is saying abc i did abc have it because of me and my skill set and the, and the, and, the, and the hiring authority like no it's not actually or, you're in a pit or, or rather, the hiring authority is the person that took credit for the work of the person they're interviewing. Ah, see, there wah, you go. Wah. That could happen as well. That could happen as well. No, but that never I, happens. I'm not a big fan of. Um, I'm just not a big fan of skill on uh, on skill based assessment because I don't. I I I care about what you do with the skill set rather than you having them because you can pass that skill based assessment and show that you've got the skill set but still not using for the organization. So you just wasted your time and money. So I rather focus on personality traits and show me the end result of the skill set that I'm looking for and those behaviors, and then I'll hire you. All right, so let's, got- let's go there. Let's go there. Yeah. TechCrunch uh, put out an article written by Mike Butcher on July 1st, 2021. As work went remote, companies flocked to a startup dumping CVs for skill tests. This is just from a couple days ago right there okay it says here as companies scrambled to reorient themselves last year during the pandemic one thing was clear the shift to remote work had come sooner than anyone had expected the question was there were managers going to laboriously sift through cvs aka resumes aka use the aka as the gen c introduction (laughs) taught us to do so earlier today to stay relevant one startup decided to take, it, to take advantage of the uh, situation. It's a HR tech startup out of the Netherlands. Their name is Test Gorilla. <laughs> they developed a way to hire people through a very short skills-based assessment test. Okay. And it had the added advantage of removing the unconscious bias brought about snappy CVs and potentially narcissistic behavior. I mean, if you extrapolate here, right? Which could be very helpful to a non-skilled person to get ahead and keep out skilled but less qualified recruits the startup tech gorilla specifically has now raised 10 million dollars in a seed round led by SaaS specialist vc notion capital par tech jeff weiner's next play ventures and indeed co-founder paul forrester pecan co-founder phil chambers and JustWorks co-founder isaac 
oats. TechCrunch states here that they understand the round of financing was hotly contested, closing in on two weeks after receiving multiple separate offers, and this one's moving forward. Quote, we're removing bias because we're making hiring very data-driven. Instead of just looking at resumes and looking at the big brands mentioned or the picture version of the person or how connected you are to a person, we're saying, hey, use this test and test for different things that predict job success, like cognitive ability or personality to fit with your culture. Then based on all your data, you can automatically sort to see your candidates from the best to worst and then make a decision on who you will invite into your recruiting process. I'll stop right there. Go ahead. I can fix that entire statement you just read or or everything you just said by doing this one thing. Change, change ability to behavior, and it answers all the questions. How so? Explain that. Because if you're focusing on cognitive ability, again, you're focusing on what they're able to do. What they're able to do is irrelevant if they're not willing to use that skill set for your organization. So you need to have a compensation structure that rewards the behavior that you're looking for. And who cares if they got that? If who cares if they got that skill set because they went to a college, they had ample years of practice, or they got a, a certificate? What are the skill sets you're looking for? What are the behaviors you're looking for? And focus your compensation structure, focus your culture based on those behaviors. If you do that, if you do that, you'll get the right people for the right reasons, in the right seats, in your organization, and they're going to be there for the long run. I guarantee it. Okay, so you set that up from top down. You make that shift. You do these things. How do you change the authority within the organization? How do you change the structure of the interview process to ensure that your hiring officials are actually following your guidance on that? Ah, They're so, in the room. They're doing whatever they want. Well, that, so so that's just it. You need to take off your, uh, your what, you, know, you know what? You need to put on your uh, salesman hat on, and you have to convince the hiring authorities. Better yet, you have to convince the higher ups who actually makes those uh, those uh, shot calls why this process is that is that more important. So you need to bring um, uh, case studies, bring some case studies and business case studies that show if you run this process like this. So in case you don't have any hi- historical data, that's fine. Try to get a business case to run up a, a pilot program, right? And then track Let's those, talk about those that. in that pilot program. Go ahead. Let's talk about that pilot program. Let's drill down further. You've Now, now you brought it to the table. You did your sell. You got your buy-in. Uh, you're, you're doing all the good things. You've got this thing in place, and now it's being implemented for the first time. Okay. What what do you do from, the, from your seat, from your launch pad? Do you sit in silently? Do you have them dial you in so you can listen along and provide recommendation and feedback on their interviewing style? Do so you make sure that you, you just upsold the entire thing? You are you. You're, you're, you're the guy that just made the recommendation that you have to make the business case to bring it to the table. Okay. Yeah. You're exactly who you framed yourself to be. Mm-hmm. So now it's actually being implemented. The pilot's in place. Are you going to look for feedback on the back end of how it went? Or would you go a little bit more micro to make sure that it's being implemented the positive way as you're trying to change the culture? The first few times I want to be involved just to keep an eye on things, just to make sure that the vision I'm putting out there is actually coming to reality. And I want to make sure that the people involved um, who are actually going to have these meetings and who are going to influence um, these uh, these interviews, I want to make sure that they fully understood 
the vision that's being placed out there. So yeah, the first few ones, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. Maybe I'll do the first one in case they're having a hard time really understanding. So I'll do that first one, and then I'll lay out my expectations of what I'm looking for, what kind of behaviors I'm looking for, and then let them do their thing. Right? That's not micromanaging. Micromanaging is always doing that, always making sure. But the first few times, yes, I am going to be involved. It might come out as micromanaging, but I just want to make sure that that vision is there and just take a step back and let them do their thing. And I'm looking for key indicators. I'm looking for these answers. So if we're if we are videotaping these interviews, which, by the way, that's what's happening now, because a lot of these interviews are happening um, uh, remotely, then we can review those answers. We can review how these questions are being asked or maybe tweak how a question is asked to get the answers that we're looking for. I want to stay on that track. I want to stay on that track with you about the interviewer, not not the candidates, not the people that are coming to the job, the skills based assessment and the switch to behavior things that you you brought up very good very key we already talked about top we already talked about the applicants coming in we beat that with a dead horse in the past i want to focus on that middle right there so as your pilot is moving forward okay and and you've done your part to set it up and put it in place do you have an internal process of educating training bringing the people up to speed on how to conduct that interview do you do you vet candidates so that they represent the brand in the best light to be in that room? Yes, you might have that local hiring manager, but you're also going to have maybe two or three other people or, or maybe 12. I don't know what your panel looks like, if it's anyone. But you, you've got some others that focus on the core culture of the organization. Talk to me. There, there has to be a standard operating procedure that has to be written to put on paper exactly what the organization is looking for. So you put out two or three core values that at the end of every interview question or the end of every interview, does, does, the, does the answer that you heard hit A core value, B core value, C core value? If it doesn't, pass. But if it does, you've got to make sure that you've got those big corporate core values and then break it down by department to see what different behavior actually fits in that exhibits that core value that you're looking for. So so where's the differential, in your opinion, between the spirit of the core value and using the actual keyword that you're looking for to define the core value? Oh, no. Yeah. You see, I'm not. I I want to drill in on that because there's people that are very data driven, very analytical. They have very small emotional intelligence spectrums. They have a hard time looking people in the eye and communicating effectively. But they are put in these positions where they're data driven. They did not use the proper word and I cannot do that. I will have to move on to the next one right now. But the next one doesn't have the true spirit of the culture. And then you dismantle your organization from the inside out. I digress. I'm, I'm not trying to plant your <laughs> reply in your mind. I, I wanted uh, it untainted. I tainted you. I put my taint all over you there. Go ahead. Ew. What's your thought? What the hell? You know what I'm saying? I guess what I'm saying here, JC. Oh, God. What a, no, no, no. Seriously. That, not just what you're saying. About, about that specifically. You have someone that fits the spirit, but they didn't use your specific words that were outlined on your follow-up sheet, and this person, maybe they don't like you. You you force this down their throat, and they're going to do this interview process, and they believe in you, and they believe in it because they're a company. Yeah. Thumbs up to you. 
Hold on. Here's the thing, right? Because if I see an interviewer that is relying on specific keywords in order to move somebody forward, that's an interviewer I don't want in the process. Why? Because, because Why? then then what I'm hearing is somebody could be amazing for a role, but because they, they forgot or didn't mention a specific keyword that you're looking for, this person is not a mind reader. Yeah, but your you sheet, your sheet of paper specifically said you have to do it this way. You have to, you microed, you went in the room, what? you did this, you told oh. them that you have to do it. All I said, all I said on this sheet of paper and this SOP, if you hit A, B, C criteria, right. not a key word, a behavior. Right, but that's behavior. where they saw what you said, A, B, C, and they said, you know what? I will do. I will give you the A, B, C, Ricky. I'm going to do the A, B, C. I did the A, B, C. Perfect. I found ever, the perfect A, B, C. Ever seen Office Space? Yeah. Ever seen Office Space? Remember the scene where um, the Bobs are talking to the uh, big boss guy saying, hey, we want to promote this guy. This guy has leadership written all over. And and he's like, yeah. yeah. That. And the next scene is the Bobs interviewing him. Let's That's see. exactly what would happen. How long have you been here? <laughs> exactly, right? So he, he, he's not the problem. The problem is you haven't motivated him enough. All right, so, do it. Do it. What do you mean? Well, same thing here, right? The problem is, so right now, what I'm hearing is, is that you're stuck in this SOP. You're stuck in these keywords. Let me grab you away from that. Let's focus on the spirit of what we're looking for. Forget about this keywords. If, if this person didn't say algorithm or this person that is a strategic initiative, but everything else works fine, why are you not going to pass them through? What is it about this one? Let's talk about your leadership ability. Let's talk about your flexibility and your influence. Okay. Because not okay. everybody's going to think how you're going to think. They turn back to you and they, they maybe they have a couple beers, a couple cocktails. They went with you to Chili's. Now you guys are sharing French fries and they're being open as you're giving them this critical feedback about their style. And they come out and they make the attestation to you because that individual intimidates me. That individual intimidates you. What if they told you that? How are they? How are they? You're the hiring authority. How is that individual intimidating you? Maybe they're going to take their job. Maybe they're too smart. Maybe they're too uh, too good for their so own good. let's have a conversation because you're not confident in your role. And Boom. I need people this role who are confident and even even let's say let's say somebody comes through let's say somebody comes through the door and and they are way smarter than you yeah and they are going to be an amazing fit for the organization dude that should be celebrated not feared right if i have a leader that fears that i'm getting rid of that leader because that leader should not be afraid if this person is going to take their job ah, right ah but wait 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 they've already They've already surrounded themselves with the best narcissists. They now have trenched in. They've got years and years of trenched in, decorated military in front of them. I didn't, I'm not, I don't mean exactly military, but you know what I mean from that perspective, right? If you're thinking of, of it like a, a medieval, you know, a lord or lady up on a hill, and now they've, they've trenched everybody in. And the, square yeah, 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 yeah. I've got Ulm. I got all me little people in the trenches. You ain't getting to me yet. <laughs> you know? Okay. All right. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> You're like, what the hell? Don't derail. Come on. We're on a good path. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with really, me. Man. Your face is hilarious. Stay with me. No, go ahead. So here's the thing. Here's my thing. If, if. They're if trenched in. Are, They're trenched in. You, you, you have now gotten up. to that point. Go ahead. Then I messed up. I or, messed or maybe up you didn't I, mess up. You're inheriting something. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even even if I inherited it, doesn't matter. I should be aware. 
That means I haven't been connecting with my leaders enough for me to fully understand what kind of a leader they are. Well, maybe they're lying to you. Yeah, but I would find out through other places, right? Because maybe I'm talking to them and they're lying to me, but I still have to connect with their teams. I still have to do one over meetings and have a full understanding about how okay. they're being led. It sounds good in, in a logical frame of mind, but now let's transition that to a culture of fear. <laughs> no, ain't no one going <laughs> to talk to you. Well, that's the thing. So I have bigger issues than my hiring practices. Right. There's something bigger happening then, right? So let's. So right now we're taking a bigger step back from Ooh. hiring practices, and so let's figure out what's going on with the internal internal leadership right now within the organization. I've got a great idea. Uh, we do a survey. We survey everyone. That'll tell us the truth. It, it surveys does. never lie, Ricky. Right? Oh no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You, if you're going to put a survey out there, and this is something I'm currently experiencing. If you're putting a survey out there, um, you've got to you you can't just say out of nowhere, hey, we got a survey, because nobody's going to trust that shit. Because if you have to put a survey reactively, you're already jumping into a pool of people who don't trust the organization. Notice I say reactively, not proactively. So you have to jump into that pool prepared to tell all the employees the the how crucial this survey is. Number one how confidential it is, number two, and number three, what we're going to do about it. That third one is crucial because if you you could do the first and second one flawlessly, but if you don't do that third one, if you don't tell them or, or just do anything about what they're saying, you just broke whatever trust they had there, and you might as well have just not put any survey out there at all and let people just not trust the company without adding fuel to the fire. So when you throw that out there, you say, I'm going to conduct a pulse check or a state interview, or an exit interview, or some kind of a focus group, you have to let everybody know, A, why, why, that's, why that's happening, and focus on things that you can affect as a leader, but more importantly, the things you cannot do anything about, communicate them, and as to why you can't do it. Have that conversation. Leaders, you would be surprised how much you will get uh, accomplished with your associates if you just ha- if you just have that two way communication explaining what your vision is of the organization what you're willing to do and what you cannot do nobody's going to fault you as a leader for communicating those truths especially if you do something about them so I guess what I'm saying is is that exit surveys work state interviews work focus groups work if you jump into that pool with the proper processes in place. That's what I'm saying. The EEOC works. What? The EEOC works. What do you mean that it works? OSHA works. Yeah, but you don't want to head down those paths, you know? Wait, wait. (laughs) But what do you mean? Yeah, they work, right? But we're not talking about something. You want to talking about influence, right? You want to change. You want to change things before it gets to that point. If you're getting to that point and they're knocking on that door and coming in and now you have to do things by decree, it's a totally different ball of wax, baby. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's you want you want to throw st- things out there to where you can fix them before somebody has to get the EEOC involved, before somebody has to get OSHA involved. Don't get me started on those government entities because I know I know their agenda, and their agenda is to get at the, the same, if not more, cases this year than last year. That where the budget is not being affected. Right. So. So, yeah, yeah. I know how that goes over there because I've seen what they do, um, especially here in Florida. There's an office in Miami and there's an office over in Tampa. And yes, 
uh, EEOC is there for a good reason. But if if there is uh, sniffing around your organization, you messed up one way or another because you 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 should have been aware about what's going on, and you should not be surprised with an EEOC complaint. Okay, really going back to the skills based thing here, and compounding upon the recent TechCrunch article, I'm going to go back to. Uh, a little bit earlier in June, we were preoccupied with episode 300, Ricky's numerous vacations, a lot of things going on on the uh, northern border. Not a vacation. I know. <laughs> there was a uh, LinkedIn article. Oh, uh, LinkedIn did launch a skills-based approach to hiring, and this was written and published via Sherm and mm-hmm. Roy Maurer. Roy Maurer, Sherm. Title of the article, LinkedIn launches skills-based approach to hiring. The Skills Path program that LinkedIn has now put in place, it's a new way to use the LinkedIn recruiter through which the company's learning courses and skills assessments match non-traditional candidates with job interviews. More than a dozen companies are already participating in the pilot. That includes BlackRock, Citrix, Gap, Gusto, Tusk, uh, TaskRabbit, and Wayfair. Wayfair. Aren't they the ones that use like prisoners to assemble furniture? Really? I think, I I, yeah, no, I think there's a contract out there where they use prisoners to assemble furniture for like $2 or something. Okay, how how we how we hire can be limiting, said Hari Srinivasan, LinkedIn's vice president of product. Many recruiting processes depend on relevant experience or degrees to find candidates, but sometimes the person that's the best fit for the role is from a community an employer has never considered before. Hmm. Srinivasan explained how Skills Path works. First, the hiring managers at participating companies identify the root skills for specific roles. Candidates will be asked to demonstrate their proficiency in a multiple choice assessment on the line through the internets, as well as in a video or written test. Job seekers can close any skills gaps with free LinkedIn learning. Curated for the requirements for the role. It does not say within the article whether or not there's a fee associated with that. But you Those know there who, is. <laughs> we know there is. Those <laughs> who pass the test are guaranteed an interview with a recruiter. Okay, so if you don't have the skills to pass the test, you pay to pa- you pay to take the course to pass the test. You pass the test, you're guaranteed an interview. So pay LinkedIn to take the test, and you'll get an interview. <laughs> Got it. Paid to play. <laughs> Paid to play. Understood. Okay. Understood. Uh-huh. And uh, they do state that it's part of a broader trend. Here we go. You ready? Organizations around the world, they're working to systematically map and classify tasks and jobs around skills, while providers who offer short upskilling and reskilling programs that lead to credentials have boomed. The mm-hmm. era of credentials is upon you. Look keenly in the eye of the beholder. Stare no. intently in the mirror. Harassment. Because it's time for post-nominals. Back to you. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, it, it, that, that, that used to be it. That used to be it. Um, I have yet to see organizations that go gaga over post-nominal credentials. 
I have yet to to see that. Maybe that's what it was 10, 15 years ago. No, 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 that's not what they're saying. Even though that might be a good thing, and and I agree with everything that you're saying, I think what they're saying is is if you pay to play and then maybe lead towards a post-nominal, you'll get an interview. That's all. Well, but you see what I'm saying, though? It's so that what behavior is is that creating? Let me get let me check this box to get my foot into the door. And that, and I think that's just wasting people's time. Now, speaking about wasting time, I do understand why recruiters put that out there and say you got to have ABC check before going to the next one, because their time is a recruiter's time is valuable and they don't want to spend a, a, a unnecessary time and effort into a resume that that we could have found out earlier that they just don't qualify. So those behavioral based assessment needs to be a little bit earlier in the process. That way you can make that process just that much shorter. So again, to put a process out there or some kind of a, uh, of a, yeah, well, yeah, no, I'll just call it that a, a process that you have to pay for that. You take all these tests, you get this, this documented evolution of you having those skills and all of a sudden you have an interview. So how do you know that person is the one who took that skill set? How do you know that I didn't have my neighbor do it? How do you know, especially if it's online, if my neighbor is a whiz, if my neighbor is Rain Man, hey, come here, puppy, let's do this. Go ahead and do this, and they'll take care of it, right? There you go. And they'll they'll answer all these questions, and now I'm going back there. Now, of course, that's a crazy example, but let's say, let's say, for example, that is out there. How would you, a recruiter, know if they're pulling the, uh, the, uh, the rug from under you or not? You won't until what? You do a behavioral-based assessment. What would you do in this situation? Something that you're looking for. So organizations take the time to really take a step back and restructure what your interview process looks like, which, by the way, this is something I am going to be talking about here in HR Florida in a few months. Actually, the end of next month, I will be talking about that, how that looks um, for the recruiter and for the interviewer. Excuse me, the same as in Florida. <laughs> All these incidents. Do me a favor, pull up the Google box if you could, please, and uh, in your favorite browser, which will be uh, probably Safari on your end. Go to the Google and go to the Google News for me, and then in the search bar. And ladies and gentlemen, feel free to follow along. Type in skills-based hiring, please. Skills-based hiring in Google News. Now you can try this in your other's browsers or uh, any any anything on the internet's on the line. But uh, the Fourth Magazine, the rise so, of skill hiring and what it means for education. I, I just want you to hit the headlines. Go down the list of what's on the first page for you. So go ahead. The rise of skills based hiring and what it means for education. LinkedIn launches skills based approach to hiring. Rubio introduces bill to remove traditional education bias. You need a skills based approach. For, should I keep going? Yes. All right, remote, skills-based hiring, how COVID-19 changed the recruitment process. Great resignation of 2021, many expected to quit jobs, change careers as companies shift to skills-based hiring. Yeah, that's that's all it says on page one. I mean, I that's think, what we I type think, to Google. Basically. I think we have a trend. I think we, no. have, we have an emergent trend here, and, and your words today are more important for people to hear than just a regular podcast because even though this trend is out there even though we might cite from a couple of these articles we've seen this on this program time and again 
where you'll catch a trend in HR. And now, hey, guess what? It's been 472 days. We don't know what to talk about. Let's circle back to this. Let's make this the hot trend again. We it was it was big in 2017. Let's do it again now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. I mean, I guess if that's what generates clicks for them, because let's not forget what Google is and what these what these articles are. It's just a way to get some clicks. So yeah, and look, why is it trending, JC? Because we typed in skills based hiring. It, I, okay, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna type in chocolate ice cream. And guess what? I'm gonna get a lot of things. So look, we blind taste. We blind taste tested ten chocolate ice creams. Here's the results. It's National Ice Cream Month. McKinney Dessert Shops aims at becoming destination for chocolate ice cream. Bittersweet chocolate. It, look, it's a trend because we typed it into the Google box, and now we have that algorithm. And maybe a lot of organizations are 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 busting out articles because they see that as being a trend. It doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't, right? I'm talking to you from an HR perspective where I have seen this in action or in, in action. Instead of wasting your time on chocolate ice cream, go ahead, type in behavioral hiring too. Here we go. Here we Do go. that. Because, and now it's going to be a trend too. Watch, watch. Behavioral hiring. Because that's what we're typing. Oh, thank you, Google. How to reduce risk with blind hiring. How to ask behavioral questions for better interview results. How to hire your organization's future stars. That's from Forbes. Yeah, dude. We're, 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 we're saying the same thing. At the end of the day, <laughs> I finally used it today. At the end of the day, you want to set up a process where you are seeing the behaviors that you're willing to pay for. And you build, here's the important part again, build a compensation structure that supports that. The compensation has to be there. It's you can have the best, and I do mean the best assessment process. But if you don't pay for what you're looking for, you're not going to get what you're looking for. So get your 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 compensation professional involved early on in the process. That way, um, that 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 structure will yield the results that that you are looking for. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time bringing somebody on board only to for them to quit or get fired within six months of the role, and you don't get a return on investment. Nothing at all. It's time for Current Events. Current Events this week is brought to you once again in part by Bias Co Learning, your place to learn things from Ricky Bias. Stop by, <laughs> what's the website again, Rick? Biasco.com. Biasco.com. Go there. This first article for you, we're going to blast through quite a few here real quick, uh, making do and making time uh, for time that we missed together last week. Uh It's good to have you back, Ricky Bites, from the shores of Puerto Rico, which, by the way, time moves faster down there, ladies and gentlemen. You are closer to the the equator and, and sea level. Things move faster, right, Rick? Oh, how much time we got left in the show? They do not go faster at all. It is the ex- that is they should be a place called. Do you know how they got the, the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. They need to have the Puerto Rico Triangle where time just slows down like crazy. What there is, dude. Look, I'm gonna just just. I know we're in this segment, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I love my island. I was born there. My culture is there. I am Puerto Rican. My family is there. I love going there. But let me tell you. This is my first time flying post-pandemic or during a pandemic, and it was as 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 brutal as you would think. Going into an island and 
nobody they they are experiencing the same shortage of uh, of um of labor that we are over here. It took me two and a half hours to get a rental car. There was four people working in the entire budget rental car counter, and I mean for the entire airport, like two people checking people in and the other two people checking cars in, cleaning them and then turning them around. So I don't mind if people are have a sense of urgency if they're um uh they're feeling pressure but if you're feeling pressure you see that line is out the door and you're like lollygagging from one one position to another and you're checking your phone and you're taking selfies yeah people are gonna get pissed right and it it, it really dude and when you start to complain you know in a nice way and you start to notice that they don't care you just give up and you just write a letter to corporate anyway I get off of my high horse because that was a really horrible experience at the San Juan airport. It's sense of urgency just doesn't exist. Everything else was great. Love my island. Eh, let's some, keep going. <laughs> some key feedback from a key man right there. Hey, uh, Western Digital My Book Storage Devices. If you use Western Digital My Book Storage Devices, uh, this has been trending news over the past few weeks here. Uh, those storage devices are being remotely erased, okay? And uh, this is coming to us from Wired.com. Uh, the MyBook NAS hard drives have been sent into nightmare uh, nightmares worth of backup tools uh, by compromising user, users' devices and deleting all the data from them. The MyBooks are controlled by an app, the WDM Book Live app, which allows customers to access their data remotely and manage their uh, their stuff. Users worldwide are reporting that their devices have been hijacked and completely wiped out. When they attempt to log in and gain access, the remote management dashboard says invalid password. Western Digital told Bleeping Computer in a statement that it is actively investigating the continuing and ongoing situation. So far, though, victims who have lost data are simply out of luck. You cannot get it back. The devices in question are at least six years old and received their most recent firmware update in 2015. If you have not gone through a digital IT refresh in a bit and meet that criteria, you may want to consult with uh, your your smart IT peoples. Now, Western Digital has determined that some MyBook Live devices are being compromised by malicious software. In some cases, this compromise has led to a factory reset that appears to erase all data on your devices, according to the company. There's a lot going on there, Ricky Baez. Talk to me. What do you think? So wait, so the only ones that were compromised are the ones that haven't had an update in five years? Yes. Well, well, duh. <laughs> I mean, that's like that's like doing a story about House Got Robbed because they left all the doors and windows unlocked. I mean, how is that a story? I don't get it. Tell me. How, how is yeah, that a story? I don't know. It's out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know why that's a story at all. Compounded on that for you from Digit.in, Microsoft did sign a driver that was loaded with rootkit malware. As of uh, July 2nd, 2021, Microsoft has admitted to signing a malicious driver that's being distributed within gaming environments. Microsoft usually tests the drivers before assigning them a digital certificate, which approves them to be installed by default. A driver named Net filter that redirects traffic to an IP in China and installs a root certificate to the registry has managed to make it through that testing process without being detected specifically as a root kit containing malware. The a malware analyst of G data 
has found the malicious driver and notified Microsoft, who stated that they have promptly added malware signatures to Windows Defender and also added that they are conducting an internal investigation. Microsoft has also suspended the account that submitted the driver, and they are currently going over their previous submissions. Microsoft's Security Response Center team characterized the malware's activity as limited to the gaming sector, specifically in China, and then further explained its goal. According to them, the threat actor's purpose is to use the driver to spoof their geolocation to cheat the system and play games from anywhere in the world, but the malware does give them an advantage in games and possibly exploits other players compromising their accounts, credit cards, and information through common tools like key loggers. And then if the games are being played on a device that is on your network and you are working from home or dialed into work for any particular reason, answering your emails 24-7 in your HR capacity, just that very simple game being played on that Microsoft device could then thread forward, infect the company, and tear down the infrastructure of the world. So there's a story. This is a a a virus that was oh. put in by the company by oh. Microsoft. By the way, Microsoft did state that users will get clean drivers through a Windows update sometime soon. Yeah, but so the organization that put the uh, the virus through is going to go ahead and put another it's on patch up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's coming. Way. It's on. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I trust it now. I trust you guys now. Yeah, it's in the awesome. mail. It's in the mail. Yeah. these are happening a lot lately, right? With the uh, with the gas pipeline, um, and then something else happened with uh, power grids. It, it's almost as somebody is testing. Oh, elections! Uh, the infrastructure. <laughs> well, that's not. A, well, please, that's that's not happening in McAfee, front of three. McAfee uh, in our tech roundup right here has also came out and said mobile malware attacks have skyrocketed uh, over the pan of past uh, uh, year plus of the pandemic. According to Edward Gately, written July 1st of 2021, the COVID-19 vaccine rollout has created plenty of opportunities for hackers and mobile malware soared to record high numbers last year and missed COVID-19. According to McAfee's advanced threat research team, the 2021 mobile threat report found hackers are using fake apps, Trojans, fraudulent messages to target consumers. At the end of 2020, total mobile malware detected by McAfee reached 43 million, and over 3 million of these detections were new. Over the past year, the vaccine rollout has advanced at different rates across the globe. That has provided plenty of opportunities for hackers. They're hiding malware in malicious links inside fake vaccination appointments and registration display ads to include ads that are found on websites associated with actual vaccination appointments. These have potential to download malware into a person's device that displays unwanted ads. They can also activate accessibility features to give a hacker full device control without them even knowing. Hackers are often extremely successful over the last year, especially when they were able to prey upon Fear, which often leaves people vulnerable to making hasty, uninformed decisions to prompt consumers to accidentally click malicious links or download malware. There's a lot going on in the world because it's all difficult to detect. Ricky Baez, back to you. And I just noticed, I forgot, John McAfee died in prison, reportedly by suicide. So, um, you know, okay, I'm going to say this, and this this has to do with this, so, so just bear with me. I started watching this show. On Netflix called Manifest. Have you seen it? Is that the airplane thing? Yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the two uh, first two seasons. Okay, so we're almost done with season one. And for those of you who don't know, 
it's a uh, it, it's it's a show where a plane takes off from Jamaica, it's on its way to New York. Um, and when the plane went to land, it landed in New York five and a half years later. So on the ground, that plane disappeared when it left Jamaica, and five and a half years passed before it appeared again in JFK Airport. But on the plane, it was just a simple three-hour flight, right? And it takes you through twists and turns and conspiracy theories. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I started watching this show uh, in Puerto Rico, and now I am completely hooked and i'm reading this thing right here it gives a lot of credibility to a lot of different conspiracy theories that are out there because dude let me tell you and i don't know if it's just with age and how 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 quickly technology has evolved over the years but these things are coming out to be they they do make sense especially with all these um all these um uh different hacks that are happening with our infrastructure first the power grid then the gas and i don't know to did you see what happened over in the Gulf of Mexico? That one oil pipeline that exploded at the bottom of the ocean, and now Wait there's a this big fire? That, that was BP back in uh, 2009, the BP oil spill explosion. That's yeah, what that you're talking about. Rick. No, no. This yeah, right after Obama rip. took office, there was the whole rip. BP disaster. <laughs> yeah, because, it, yeah, I love how you threw that in there. Yeah, right after Obama took office. No, seriously, took that, that, that happened back then. What Something else it, happened? Something else happened like this past week. It Wait was, a minute. I guess, right after Biden took office, there's another Gulf oil crisis? You know, Biden took office about four four months ago. Four so, years yeah, ago. Kind of like that. <laughs> so anyway, but this thing looks like hell coming from the bottom of the ocean. And I don't know if you've seen those videos, which I found hilarious. It's boats surrounding the uh, the uh, fire on, on the water and they're dousing it with water. When the fire is on the water, I, I need to put up a video clip on that. I guess what what I'm trying to say is it, it does feel like there's a lot of jibs and dabs and to our IT infrastructure. Almost, again, they're testing to see how strong it is for something bigger. It's, probably, get- it's probably climate change. It's not climate change. <laughs> our next story. Everyone's already heard about this one. We do have to address it. Ricky, uh, you've got a clip from YouTube uh, available there if you want to get it pulled up. April Moss, she's a former meteorologist and local TV reporter at WWJ CBS Detroit. During a on-air weather report, she uh, did plan to reveal accusations of discrimination to Project Veritas. And the journalist did not go into details during the, uh, the broadcast. She just promoted it. Now, in a online fundraising campaign, she said she she felt led to stand up to the medical discrimination that was being enforced by Viacom CBS on its employees. She added falsely the mandate for any individual to be tested for COVID-19 for employment or participation at a university or other institution violates federal law. This is from heavy.com. This article here was written by Tom Cleary. Moss also said, my hope is that others who are faced with similar situations in their workplace can find the strength and courage to stand up for their God-given rights. Thank you so much for contributing to myself and my family. God bless you. End quote. CBS Detroit is owned by Viacom CBS as part of the CBS television stations group. According to the EEOC, it's not against federal law for employers to mandate COVID-19 vaccine testing. Or I'm sorry, COVID-19 testing. Moss's Give, Send, Go campaign links to a website by coronavirus theorists, America's frontline doctors, 
and the other anti-vaccine group, Children's Health Defense. The anti-vax group was founded by Robert F. Kennedy and has spread COVID-19 misinformation, according to NPR. This is hotly contested. A lot going on. Long story short, she got on air. She said a few words. She stood up for something she thought. And then in turn, she had to have that good discussion with the boss. And that was recorded and put on the YouTube for the human resource listening audience. If you haven't heard this, Ricky Baez, over to you. Check this out. Here it is. Good evening and thanks for watching First Forecast. I'm meteorologist April Moss and happy Father's Day. Today we saw temperatures above normal again, topping out at 85 degrees at Metro Airport. Plenty of sunshine today, but all good things must come to an end. And that starts as early as tomorrow morning with showers moving in around 8 a.m. And speaking of a brand new week, I will be sitting down this week with Project Veritas to discuss the discrimination that CBS is enforcing upon its employees. Tune in to Project Veritas for my full story. Now, later Monday, we will see those showers continuing through late morning, but by evening, we'll see dry conditions and more comfortable temperatures as well. Okay, so now here's the next clip talking to the boss. Hey, Chuck. So I saw what you did on the air yesterday. Yes. You, You may get terminated for that. Are you aware of that? Yes, I am. All right, so. So you're, you're okay with that then? I understand if CBS decides to let me go. I do understand that. Why would you do that? Hmm. You know, basically, that's the most selfish thing I've ever seen in all in 36 years working there without even a close second. Because you don't give a crap about anybody else, you know, and, and, and like if you get terminated, which you might, and then the burden is going to place on other people, you couldn't care less. It's just all about April Moss. Well, that's not that's very, very unfortunate. I mean, I know we've had some talks, you know, and all of that, but I didn't know that you were that kind of person. I'm not that kind of person. You are April. Oh, you are. You're all about April and that's it. I'm April and here's my stance. Regardless of the burden, this is going to put on anybody else. Well, I've tried to go through all of the the direct channels. What do, you think, what do you think going on the air and getting fired is going to do? Do you think that's going to change their rules? Well, it's not just CBS, but it's a lot of organizations and corporations across the country that are that are enforcing unfair, un, unfair standards on people. I can't believe you did that. I just can't believe it. I mean, we had again, we had some chats offline and you know, and some texts, you know, but but to go on the air and, and just blatantly disregard. In any protocols, you know, and, and again, place all of this burden on other people. You know, I mean, I'm going to recommend that you get terminated. I'm going to recommend that. I'm not going to stand up for you. Because that was as blatant as, 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 as anything I've ever seen. Okay, but I've I've gone through all the natural channels with HR. I've sent them documentation stating that this is against federal law. I understand law. that. I've you think that going on the air and saying something and getting fired is going to change anything? Oh, I mean, what, what what could you possibly have thought would affect that would have other than you getting fired? I was hoping that they would understand and realize that they that that enforcing these policies on people that are against federal law is not okay. So you're going to go on the air and say that, and you think that they're going to say, "Oh, you know what? She's right. We're going to go ahead and change those now because she said it on the air." I love it. You really thought that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was hoping there would be there would be a change. No, because not gonna be. the only change is going to be you know on, on our weekend weather person. That's the only change. Oh, <laughs> wow! Okay. Wow! <laughs> that was April Moss from CBS JTV Two in Detroit. Wow! All right, Ricky Bias, over to you. <laughs> now, the first thing that came to mind, bro, is that uh, I wonder if he knows that he's being recorded. Probably and I don't know not. what comes well, well, that depending on what state she's in and the uh, two-person consent record laws, that that might be an issue for her. Um, now, as far as the engineer is concerned, if How? he's really doing okay. this for thirty-six years, he should always act like he's being recorded. Hang on, though. Hang on, though. Seriously. At what point do you think she cares at this juncture? She just went on air and, and sacrificed her, her day oh, no. job, you know? No, like, I know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah but that's which, something that... Which, by the way, kudos to her for getting good audio. Thank you. It, it's, it's appreciated <laughs> out here to finally have a good clip. Yeah, but no, you got you got a good point there. So if she did record without the consent, which I'm sure that he didn't say, yeah, let's go and record it. Let me tell you some feedback, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's something that whoever is going to come after her legally, they're going to throw that in in her face, right? It's like you didn't get his permission, but then from his perspective, again, it's be, if he's been in broadcast for 36 years, he should know always, always act like you're being recorded, especially with how easy it is to do so these days. So anyway, look, I see both sides. I see his side, right? And I see her side as well. If she has gone to HR, and HR has said, we've done everything we can do. If they have done their job, then that's all they can do. I want to know what exactly was she saying that she feels is being suppressed, that she feels is against federal law. That is what I would like to understand to see if that has any merit or not. So just because she sounds confident saying, saying it doesn't mean it's true. So I would love to find out exactly what happened there, but yeah, I, th- I think it was the entire COVID nineteen testing thing and, and stuff like that. Let's let's. I want to ask you about the uh, the manager and his feedback there, though. Like right up front, he already got the cat out of the bag, and then uh, partway through the discussion, just just around halfway, he did self attest and let her know that he is going to recommend that she get fired. You know, first yeah. yeah, but right up front, he laid it out there. And advised, you know, you do realize this could wind up in your termination. You understand that? She said yes. You know, with with his feedback from that point, how how did that make you feel? Here's here's what I've noticed before I say how that makes me feel. I've noticed that at the beginning at the beginning of the conversation, he, his voice sounded really shaky, and he was really nervous about the conversation. And then, as soon as she started not clapping back, but as, she, as soon as she started digging her heels in, that's when he got, got passionate about it. That's when he all the crackling went away. And then he was like, I can't believe you did that. That is the most blatant thing I've ever seen anybody do and selfish things. So he started. He, started well, he cut her off. He did cut her off multiple times, too. He did. Yeah, he did. Because because it sounds like he's hurt. <laughs> he's hurt. He's keeps talking about the burden. And I'm like, what burden is he talking about? Oh. On him, because it's all on him now. So he got his ass chewed out. <laughs> so now he's trying to do the same for her. But, dude, I get oh, him. He's, he's probably I, trying to save his job, too. Well, I mean, I mean ultimately, it's on him. I mean, there, there could be a good possibility, depending on the way these things roll, that uh, uh, depending on where he is in the organization, he, he might find himself out of a job as well for I, even I, allowing I, it. You know, I'm trying to think how I would have handled that 
if if I would have handled that any differently. Because I think that's exactly how my conversation was going to go. Like, look, we've had these conversations offline. I know what kind of issues you have. Why can't you come to me to get so so I can help you get this word out instead of going on the air, you getting fired and putting a burden on everybody else? I get him. Now, again, I don't know if he's it's 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 what his stance is on the issue, but he's hurt. He feels like he was a backstab and I completely understand it. The mistake he did there is to show his emotion. That was his mistake. And he should have just kept it professional and in ah, man, I'm thinking so, it's tough. It's so tough. given the the totality of the situation from a high level looking down. Would you say it's fair to say that this employee felt emotional about something? that led towards the the actions that were taken and maybe they didn't felt properly heard like maybe there could be an improvement to the process of the interpersonal communication it, it could be attributed to the leadership style as to why the employee felt it was daring enough or, or bold enough or a good idea to go on air and do that maybe they felt that they didn't have a, a comfortable outlet they they talked about she made mention about hey i took this to hr previously and they may have had discussions offline, but clearly the employee was never comfortable enough in those discussions to put her trust in that leader to keep those discussions off air. I don't know that. I don't know that because we I don't know. If- I'm not, we, we could assume that is what I'm we saying. Could. Okay. Yes, we could because I, I'm not 100% certain that HR did do the right thing or didn't do the right thing. And she's just still, she's just still bitter about it. Ah, yes. Right? Yeah, so we don't so know HR, that. HR aside, to that, though, it, it could come down to the interpersonal relationship and the managerial style, though, too. I mean, with the way that he was talking to her, you could also sense a tone in their, in their uh, well, granted. He was hurt. <laughs> he, he was totally hurt. But at the same time, the, the authoritarian nature of things. Do you think that there were many, if you had to make an assumption, do you feel that there were many candid, true-to-life, will have no impact or bearing on any assessment of you type discussions between him and the employee in the past to establish that base layer of trust. I don't think there was. I don't think there was. I don't think there was either. Me neither, because otherwise she wouldn't have done this. Right. Now, she did shoot herself in the foot because, yes, she is going to get fired, and I think she's she's gambling and saying, hopefully I get a book deal out of this and somebody will pick me up. Now, from... Let's go back to recruiting again. Right. If I right. know, if I see an April Moss come across my desk to applying for a journalist position, I'm going to think of this video. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want her to air any dirt or, or any conversations that we may have. And yes, we could be talking about something we should not be talking about, but now I don't trust her. I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I I would not because, again, I I want somebody who I feel confident in that we can have confidential conversations and I don't want to have to worry, A, that I'm being recorded or B, that something is going to leak later on. Now, that might not be the HR thing to say, but it's a human thing to say and everybody out there is thinking it right now. Regardless of where they lie on this, they're thinking of it right now. Now you can't trust her. So she shot herself in the, in, in, in the foot. Sorry. No, no apology needed. You're in no, a safe I'm space sorry. here. No, I'm not. I feel bad. <laughs> it's I need more coffee. Hey, Your next story here is coming to us from the Washington Post. Philip Bump from the Washington Post. 
Washington Post, Heather Long was one of the first to spot a unexpected new trend in American unemployment. While the pandemic was not the productive period that many had hoped, it was an opportunity for a lot of people to reconsider that they wanted and expected from their jobs. As long as, as, and as Long wrote in May, that was leading to the great reassessment of work in America. So with employment up, more people are voluntarily leaving their jobs, according to the Washington Post and and Philip Bump. This manifests in a number of ways, including the difficult that some service sector employers are having in filling positions. This has been an enormous subject of debate over the past few months. Some arguing that it reflects overly generous unemployment benefits and others that it's a function of insufficient salaries in a competitive market do you ever talk to people that up talk like that i i I, yeah no i hear from people like that all the time it's pretty wild a poll conducted by marist university for npr and pbs news hour found that about one-fifth of americans see wages as the biggest concern for the economy trailed narrowly by unemployment and 10 percent of the country identified the labor shortage itself as the biggest concern i'm gonna be honest with you i had to go to the auto parts store this past week I'm sitting there buying some stuff for the uh, vehicle, doing some self-repairs, right? And um, part of the reason being the shop's too booked. You know, they don't have enough mechanics to do it. I could do it. I'm not, I'll am i save that couple bucks. I'm, go- I'm going, I'm working on that. But while I'm at the parts store, I'm in line at the parts store for like triple the amount of time. And I get up to the front and the guy's stressed out. I'm like, hey, no stress, man. He's like, yeah, you ain't got no idea. I'm like, what's up, dude? He goes, uh, I was here until close last night. I opened this morning at 730. That's when we open the doors. Um, I'm on my next 12-hour shift, and I need to hire eight people, and I can't get people to work. Do you want a job? I was buying parts. (laughs) He didn't even see my resume. He just thought I was kind, and he offered me a job. Very very kind. My mind is blown right now. I've heard the same thing from multiple people across sectors. In in different industries, people are working that those that have the jobs— right now are working harder than they ever have. And some of them are salaried and they don't get the additional compensation at the same time. Ricky, you got to chime in here, man. I want to talk about this because this is something that everybody is forgetting about a specific group of people. And all we keep talking about is how many job openings are there and how many people are too lazy to actually go and get that job. And not enough people are talking about the people who are currently working and keeping things together with those empty positions. So let's talk about them real quick. And I feel bad for that guy who you just spoke to, uh, who offered you that job, because it's listen to what you just said. He closed last night and then opened today. Leaders. RVPs, directors of operations, yes, focus on bringing people in the door, but damn it, do not forget about the people who are holding down the fort while recruiting is happening. Don't forget about those folks. Take care of them. Take care of them financially. Take care of them emotionally. Make sure you are there for them as a leader to make sure they have everything they need because they're the ones who decided to put on the uniform, come into work, clock in, and then help you run this ship. So don't forget about those folks. Take care of them. Don't burn them out because right now we're seeing the big walkout, people leaving work because they don't want to return into the office. And if we keep going down this trend of abusing the current staff that we have and you're not meeting their financial and emotional needs, we're going to have something called the big burnout here in a few months. Uh, I I think we're in it right now, Rick. Uh, The the burnout factor, 
across the board. A lot of people I talk to, they're fried. They're fried right now. They, they are being, not only are you on the backside of having to overcome everything to maintain your job, if you've maintained your job during this time, but now at the same time, you got to go above and beyond. You're, you're reaching the point of critical mass and, and, and yeah. bringing on the other people isn't always the option. It's, it's a very, very interesting time. It's working, though, right? Because aren't some McDonald's raising their rates and not waiting for the uh, local uh, government to uh, to tell them what the minimum wage is? So McDonald's is raising their rates and Burger King are raising their rates. So whatever's happening out there, I don't want to encourage it, but whatever's happening out there is working. But in the meantime, you do have some people who are – and you know what? I retract. You're right. It's happening now. It's happening now. I'm waiting for it to be a more global thing than what it currently is here. Well, everything else is going up, though, too. Housing prices are going up. There's not enough apartments for rent. There's there's uh, got to be shortages in certain areas. The cost of milk. I don't know about by you, but milk just crested the $4 mark over here. It used to be like the, around the $2 mark in the dairy heart of, uh, you know, the Northeast. But down by you, uh, milk was always about $4. It's got to be like $7 a gallon down there now, right? I don't know. I don't drink milk. Um, See? But you see but if you, you could afford milk, you might. <laughs> no, but look, it, it's um, it, it's that that's all happening right now. Give it a few months when 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 all those restrictions end, um, those eviction laws start coming back into play. You're going to see a big drop in real estate and the and the rental and the property. economy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, correct. It is. So it's I think we're in for a bigger scoop. You're and now to valleycentral.com, Local 23, Karina Vargas, nurse staffing shortage takes a new turn as COVID-19 hospitalizations continued to decrease out of KVEO in Texas following the pandemic. Many hospitals in the Valley and across Texas are facing a nursing shortage, but conditions are, they're finally taking a turn. Uh, even while things are currently improving, that wasn't the case a few months ago when they faced a nurse shortage and had trouble keeping up. Quote, it takes a toll, not only physically, but it takes a toll mentally for a lot of the nurses. So what they were used to in terms of their normal work-life balance in a hospital really changed drastically. Many nurses on the, in the field and in emergency rooms across the United States say they didn't expect such a high number of COVID-19 patients in such a short time. No one was ready for the high volume of very sick people. And that made it feel like there was a shortage of nurses when at the end of the day we had the right amount and then we burnt them out. We also have nurses that are returning to the area and have previously left the area that might be able to help with the pandemic in a different area through another area in the country, according to the quote that's here. There's a lot of areas at the table and they're trying to cover all of them, Ricky Baez. In another surge, if another surge were to happen... Uh, learning from the past year of the pandemic and dealing with a coronavirus pandemic, it's led them to be better prepared for the future. Nurses, they're being burnt out. Yeah. And nursing staffing shortages continues to take a turn. Ricky Byers, back to you. It was the shortest before the pandemic. The pandemic just made it worse, a lot worse. So, because I, I remember seeing some clients that were offering about $9,000 sign-on bonuses in specific areas to be a nurse, to be paid out within six months. So, that's, that's, that's quite, a, quite a chunk of money that you're going to get pre-pandemic. So, I don't know what they're going to do now post-pandemic, um, especially I would go over to, the, uh, to these colleges that have these really good nursing programs and see what kind, 
what kind of relationships I can build with them. Ah, no. No, just do a skills-based assessment on LinkedIn. That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Staffing emergency prompts longer shifts at two prisons. Lincoln, Nebraska employees at two Nebraska prisons will have to work longer shifts and may be asked to clock in at a facility where they don't normally work to compensate for staffing shortages, according to the state corrections director announced back on Monday. This comes to us from the SandHillsExpress.com News Channel Nebraska. In a press release, they stated there will be situations where staff members will be asked to work in the opposite facility. In essence, the facilities will coordinate together to make sure that they staff people across the board. Prison officials will implement 12-hour shifts for some employees up from the usual eight hours. It doesn't sound like they're asking. sounds like they're mandating. (laughs) I like how they reframed it, though. That's interesting. We, we will politely ask them to let them know they're mandated on 12s. <laughs> <laughs> we will politely ask them, do you understand? It's a mandate. <laughs> the Diagnostic Evaluation Center is the intake facility for all adult males entering the state prison system. The Lincoln Correctional Center is a maximum security male facility with housing for residential mental health services. Construction is underway to connect the two facilities Not sure if that's with a bridge or a tunnel. Two larger state prisons, the Nebraska State Penitentiary and the Tecumseh State Correctional Institution, have operated with 12-hour shifts since 2019 to address similar staffing shortages. Ricky Baez, over to you. It's, it's, I don't know what I can say that hasn't been said before, especially when you're talking about something so crucial as the healthcare industry and the prison uh, industry. I guess if that's, if that's even an industry. So you're going to have these folks guard some of the most dangerous people and keep them out of harm's way. No, keep in Nebraska. In Nebraska. In Nebraska. Um, the reason I'm saying it that way is because, again, I just got back from Puerto Rico and the guards down there were just on strike. JC, do you know how much money the average uh, a pay a guard, a prison guard in Puerto Rico makes? I think it's like $28,000. $1,600 a month. That's not bad. That's horrible. That's horrible. It's four-hour shifts, though, right? It's, 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 no, they're not four-hour shifts. They're like 12-hour shifts. Oh, that's horrifying, then. <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's insane. They don't get paid much. Now, that's in Puerto Rico. I'm pretty sure over in other places in the U.S., you know, obviously they get paid a little bit more, but the conditions are still doesn't make it any better. Pay your people. Now, then again, this is government, right? So they they, they don't really pay for the problem. So, good quality. Okay, Boomer, you doing that. Your last current event story is coming to us from 8newsnow.com. 8newsnow, right to return law, does go into effect, but for some workers still waiting for employment. This is out of Las Vegas. The right to return bill is officially law in Nevada. It essentially guarantees certain hospitality workers who lost their jobs during the shutdown that they will officially be rehired. But some workers still feel left behind. No worker left behind. As resorts ramp up normal operations, more and more people in the hospitality industry are getting back to work. Employees say that's all that they want, but not every casino company says that the new law is the best way to do that. I wanted my job back, said hospitality worker Mario. 
For 36 years, he worked as a food server at Binion's Ranch Steakhouse. Then he was laid off in March 2020 (laughs) during the COVID-19 shutdown. A lot of things happened. He was emotional, and he felt really good that the Right to Return bill guaranteed certain workers their former positions or similar ones. Once those jobs come available, they must be casino hospitality, stadium, and travel-related employees who were let go due to the pandemic. They also needed to work for the at least six months of the year, preceding March of uh, March 12th of 2020. Um, big news in Nevada, a lot going on, saved a lot of, a lot of people are going to be getting their jobs back. The right to return law, it was uh, hotly debated, hotly contested. It is officially now law out there. Great article, eight news now, Las Vegas. Check this out. Uh, the culinary union is deeply disappointed and, um, in, in some of the right to return opportunities that are out there, but, um, there's, there's a lot of hotly contested debate. Interesting article from an employment labor perspective. Ricky Bias, back to you. Why is the union against this? It's, I'm confused here. So this yeah, is the you law. You need to read the, the article. You need to read the article I'm, separate. I'm looking through it. I know. Because it's important to, to understand. Because this sounds to me like it's a law that says if you were let go, we're going to bring you back to the same job. Why would why would the union oppose that? So this was put together by Orko Mana and Carolyn Williams. 8 News Now, Las Vegas. 8NewsNow.com. Stop by there. Check out their piece. Great piece right there. But the law is now in effect. What are your thoughts on that? I am confused. I'm confused because I would think the union would like something. I don't care about the union. Let me ask you about the law. What do you think about the law being an effect on the right to return to the job that you had provided that you worked at at least six months prior to being laid off during the pandemic? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't understand it because I would think this is something everybody would like. And the union who historically has been fighting for people's jobs and for equity and work, safety and pay and all those happy horse stuff. Why, why, why do they find something wrong with this particular law? That's what I'm saying. I don't understand what this law is. Uh, definitely something to research more at one hour, 25 minutes in the program. Now is not the time. Well, go like you brought it up. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man <laughs> Stories. Florida Man Stories. Wrapping things up real quick here. From FourCornersResources.com, your Florida Man Story of the Week, Ricky Baez, has been appointed as Director of People and Culture at Four Corners Resources. Four Corners Resources is delighted to announce the arrival of Ricky Baez as Director of People and Culture. Ricky joins 4CR. With more than 20 years' experience in HR, he will be responsible for the overall people strategy and will both impact and influence the culture of the organization while supporting a rapidly growing hybrid team based both nationally and at the company headquarters in Orlando, Florida. Ricky is a highly accomplished addition to the team with extensive knowledge in HR, talent management, leadership coaching, strategy, and more. He is recognized nationally by HR leaders and professionals as the co-host of the HR Talk podcast. They brought that out, Ricky. They actually put the podcast in your write-up. Oh, this is fantastic. Oh, I love this. I I wasn't sure if I liked them before, but now I like them. They're very good. They're very good. I might have to research them just a little bit more. I like this. They're very good. Very good writers. Very good. Co-host. Love it. 
In addition to this, Ricky is also the co-owner of the Orlando chapter of Disrupt HR, a forward-thinking, dynamic information exchange that's designed to inform, empower, and energize people who work in HR. With experience working for Sears Holding Corporation, the Orange County government, and several notable educational institutions, including South University and Rollins College, Ricky's skills, experience, and perspective are set to collectively benefit the whole team at 4CR. Quote, I'm truly excited about working with the team of 4HR. I do HR a little differently than most with the focus on the H&HR and a down-to-earth, common-sense approach that helps creatively high-functional fun and vibrant learning environment where everyone has the opportunity to flourish, said Ricky Baez. Ricky is the latest addition to a rapidly growing team at a nationally acclaimed staffing firm, Four Corners, Four Corner Resources. Emerging from the pandemic, the company has experienced exponential growth this year with new hires made in operations, sales, account management, marketing, and HR. The business is on target to achieve record growth in 2021. As Pete Newsom, the president of Four Quarter Resources, continues to invest in people, he reveals, reveals exciting, big, very big new plans for an office makeover. The introduction of a new HR policy to support new parents with much more to come this year. This guy sounds great, Rick. He really does. I'm not not blowing smoke. I'm being serious. As an organization, we value the contributions of every member of the team, except Ricky. And this year, we are investing heavily (laughs) in their personal and professional development, making sure that they have the best support to truly thrive and succeed. That's a quote from Pete Newsom. He's the president of Four Corners Resources, the nationally acclaimed staffing and recruiting firm he founded in 2005. He founded it. Right. Started... Started from the bottom, now we're here. That's what I'm saying. Pete, Dude. kudos to you. Ricky, kudos to you. Kudos to you, man. That That's that's big news right there, ladies and gentlemen. Ricky Baez doing big, big Baez things. Over to you. So thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I've, I've been just over a month with the organization, and I could not be happier, JC. Um, uh, after I left uh, Transform NRC, uh, Baez for full time, and then I met Pete. We started having conversations about his vision of the of the organization and what he wants to do with HR and the culture of the organization. And um, I came on board. So yes, I am the director dude. of people and culture for the dude. team. And, dude, I, dude, I'm, I'm happy. I'm it's interrupting awesome. you. I just found more information here that's more important than you. Pete, okay. Pete is actually a host of a podcast called Higher Calling. Yes, he is. Pete Newsom, yes. the host of Higher Calling Podcast. Visit Higher Calling Podcast online for more information. That was so for we you, are man. On that. Thank Get you. out of here. Seriously, you're working on that? We are working on a lot of things. And it's a what he said is 100% true. This, it's, this company is looking for explosive growth. It is going to happen. So we are setting the foundation to make sure we can support that. Um, so I, I, I accepted the, uh, the, uh, the role. Um, I've been there for just over a month and we're, we're putting some things in place that it's going to help the organization support the talent to help that explosive growth. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'm, I'm still there. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you something. If you, if, okay. if he wants that podcast to explode the right way, he needs to invest in someone like me. That's all I'm saying. You know, I'll make your podcast explode in a heartbeat, brother.
You know, it's you got to do it the right way. Got to do it the right way. There's so many terrible HR podcasts, Pete. I haven't heard yours. I'm looking forward to checking it out and telling you if it sucks. That's the best I could say. You know, Ricky, I didn't mean well, to offend, but it's no, another no, no, no. it's another podcast. We we are on this trend since episode 300 that we will have podcast wars with others. And, and, and now we might have found an, a new adversary. We are not doing podcast, podcast wars. Yes. Why? Why would we do that? Yeah. Why? Because other we HR have, podcasts suck. That is true. You're not wrong there. But you know why? Not, why not? Go ahead and help them out. Other HR podcasts suck. <laughs> By the way, I resent how you made me sound in my quotes no, in no, that no, article. No, no, no. no. You, you resemble. You resemble. I, not, I resent. Not resemble. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. Final thoughts. Going around the room. Ricky, bias over to you. Final thoughts. Look, um, it's uh, this year is over, halfway over, and we still don't know how to treat people. We still don't know how to how to how to attract the good talent that we need. More importantly, we still don't know how to take care of the talent that decided to help us out of the bind that we're currently in with the staffing shortage. Leaders, don't forget about those people, because as soon as you forget about them, now you're going to have two positions to fill. Uh, because you forget about your rock stars that are keeping you afloat right now. Don't forget about those folks. Make sure they are treated, they are taken care of financially and emotionally. Don't forget. Over here, it's been a pleasure to be back once again with uh, Ricky Baez. It's my honor to be allowed to be here on my show. And uh, thanks for your time, Rick. You're welcome. What are the, it's my honor. <laughs> what are the best ways people can find us, please? Baezco.com. You can find us at HR Talk Podcast on any social media platform, TikTokie, Insta. I almost said Instacart, Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you can find us at Instacart. We have that too. Now, just find us. Let us know what you think about the show. Um, give us that big like, a big five stars, the big feedback on your favorite pack, uh, podcast platform, and let us know what you think about us. We really, really appreciate it. You know what? It brings forward a thought that Ooh. I had uh, through discussion with some people. I am gonna go with a couple final thoughts here on the close um when you're starting a new show new podcast do not do what we did make sure you brand appropriately from the beginning um and and don't rebrand along the way we finally found our our niche our niche our niche as they say (laughs) and uh we're, we're moving forward with that but uh for all the new podcasters out there just remember there's something like 500,000 different podcasts out there Make sure that yours stands out. Make sure you stay consistent and keep the name intact the entire time. Put out new content weekly. We support that and we support you, even though you might be boring as hell. To that happy Independence Day to everyone across the land.
watching TV at 1.30 in the morning in 1985. Miss Hunter, what about? You guys can This one goes out to America! birthday America. We love you.